This is HPR episode 2600 entitled, Special Episode on 2600, Blue Boxes, Freaking. It is hosted by Ken Fallon, and is about 53 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, we celebrate the history of hackers, with a nod to the old school freak community. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate. Hi everybody, this is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Today is episode 2600 and as such we are going to be dedicating this show to the phone freaks out there who, if you go back far enough, were responsible for laying down the ideas that led to Hacker Public Radio itself. From Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. In November 1954, the Bell System Technical Journal published an article entitled In-Band Signal Frequency Signaling, which described the process used for routing telephone calls over trunk lines with the then-current signaling system R1. The article describes the basis of inter-office trunking and the signals used to start, route and end calls. In November 1960, further technical details were disclosed by Bell System Technical Journal in the article entitled Signaling Systems for Control of Telephone Switching. This article identified specific single frequency, SF, and multi-frequency, MF, tones used to start and end a call and to transmit the number on a long-distance connection. The engineering design assumed that these signals would only originate in automatic switching equipment. The designers were aware that in-band signaling method was subject to false signals arising in the telephone headset from ambient sounds and chose 2600 Hz frequency because it was not present in normal speech. This choice performed well in normal use of telephones. This success did not foresee the possibility that the telephone user would insert control switches signals into the switching system by sending unusual tones into their telephone headset. This possibility was discovered accidentally and eventually became widely known. Before the technical details were published in the Bell System Journal, it was discovered by many, some very unintentionally and to their annoyance, that a 2600 Hz tone used by the AT&T Corporation as a steady signal to mark currently unused long-distance telephone lines, or trunk lines, would reset those lines. Joe Ingresia, known as Joy Bubbles, accidentally discovered it at the age of seven by whistling with his mouth. He and other famous phone freaks such as Bill from New York and The Glitch trained themselves to whistle 2600 Hz to reset the trunk line. They also learned how to route phone calls by causing trunks to flash in a certain pattern. At one point in the 1960s, 
packets of Captain Crunch breakfast cereal included a free gift, a small whistle that, by coincidence, generated a 2600 Hz tone when one of the whistle's two holes was covered. A freaker named John Draper adopted his nickname Captain Crunch from this whistle. Others would utilize exotic birds such as canaries, which are able to hit 2600 Hz tone with the same effect. <coughs> with the ability to blue box, what was once just a few isolated individuals exploring the telephone network started to develop into a whole subculture. Famous phone freaks such as John Captain Crunch Draper, Mark Bernie and Al Bernie used blue boxes to exploit various hidden codes that were not dialable from a regular telephone. Some of the more famous pranksters were Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, founders of Apple computers. On one occasion, Wozniak dialed the Vatican City, identifying himself as Henry Kissinger, imitating Kissinger's German accent, and asked to speak to the Pope who was sleeping at the time. Wozniak said in 1986, I called only to explore the phone system, phone company as a system, to learn the codes and tricks. I'd talked to the London operator and convince her I was a New York operator. When I called my parents and friends, I paid. After six months, I quit. I'd done everything that I could do. It was so pure. Now I realize others were not so pure. They were just trying to make money. But then I thought we were all pure. Blue boxes were predominantly the domain of pranksters and explorers, but others used blue boxes solely to make free phone calls. There was also a popular with drug dealers and other criminals because the calls were not only free but were virtually impossible to trace with the technology available at the time. Blue boxing hit mainstream media when an article by Ron Rosenbaum titled Secrets of the Little Blue Box was published in October 1971 issue of Esquire magazine. Suddenly, many more people wanted to get into phone-freaking culture spawned by the blue box, and it furthered the frame of Captain Crunch. Two major amateur radio magazines, 7.3 and CQ, published articles on the telephone system in the mid-1970s. CQ magazine published details on phone-freaking, including the tone frequencies and several working blue box schematics in 1974. In 1975, issue of 7.3, features an article describing the rudimentaries of long-distance signaling networks, how to construct red and blue boxes and put them into operation. In November 1988, CCITT, now known as the ITCUT, published recommendation Q140, which goes over signal systems number five's international function, once again giving away secret frequencies of the system. This caused a resurgence of blue boxing incidents with a new generation. During the early 1990s, blue boxing became popular with international wearzine, especially in Europe. Software was made to facilitate blue boxing using a computer to generate signal tones and play them onto the phone. From the PC where Blue Beep, LTO and others and blue boxes for other platforms such as Amiga were available as well. In the 1970s and 1980s, some trunks were modified to filter out single-frequency tones arriving from callers. The death of blue boxing came in the mid to late 1990s when telephone companies, becoming aware of the problem, eventually moved to out-of-band signaling systems, which separates data and signaling channels, such as CCIS and SS7. These packets 
systems separated the voice and signaling channels, making it impossible to generate signals from an ordinary telephone line. It was rumoured that some international trunks still utilise in-band signaling that are susceptible to tones, although often it is 2600 plus 2400 and then 2600 to C's. Sometimes the initial tone was a composition of three frequencies. A given country may have inbound signaling on chunks from a specific country, but not from others. Now what you're about to listen to is the first episode of Radio Freak America. And it was first aired on the second, the 20th of the 2nd, 2002, and published on oldschoolfreak.com, oldschoolfreak.com. All right, greetings. This is Dual Parallel. The meeting was last night. And we came up with this kooky idea of having a radio show. Well, not really a radio show, but it's kind of rocking right now. I'm sitting outside a big switch, a big telco switch in a big metropolitan city, and I'm going to do something groundbreaking, something historic, or something really stupid because I'm doing it in the daytime. Okay, what am I doing, you ask? Well... I'm walking down an alley behind the telco switch. So, yeah, oh, yeah, you guessed it. I'm going to go dump some Man, this is a long alley. Has this ever been done before? I don't, I don't think it's ever been done before. So I do think it's historic. Okay, getting close. No one's out in their backyards. No dogs barking. Everything looks good. I bet you there's freaking telco guys there. Oh, they got to be working right now. Yard. There's a bucket truck right in the corner. I don't see any cameras while it's daytime, so who cares? Oh, there's the dumpster. Okay, hold on. I'm going to get up to it right now. Okay, I'm at the dumpster. Man, there's a lot of trash in the dumpster. <laughs> there's a lot of shit. Oh, what do we got here? There's a little good paperwork. What says Tyco, Nick and NID. NID paperwork. I got tons of those. Lots of cable. Oh, there's a jack. There's a couple of jacks. Shit, I want to go to the other side. I gotta get something back. Okay, hold on. God, this shit's noisy. Pardon my French. Okay, that's something I don't have before. Oh, I'm taking this jack too. It's a nice jack. Oh, it's like a duel. Like me, dual parallel. This is dual parallel. Dumpster diving. Historic event at a large switch in a large metropolitan area. And I think that's it. I think I have a warm and welcome. I don't see anything else. Alright, I'm going. Wait. Alright, I'm walking away and I'm not looking back. Because I got right before I drove up to it, I saw. I saw Telco. I saw technicians driving into the yard, so. They're working today, it's no doubt. But I got a really nice dual jack. And then a lot of paperwork here. Uh, I think it's just another NID. Yeah, it is just another NID instruction. Hang on. Still, very fruitful. And again, hopefully an exciting first segment to a new show, Radio Freak America.
Freak.com every week. I'm joined right now by Rax and Condor. Rax, you there? I'm here. What's up? Excellent. Condor? Excellent. Excellent. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to have some important issues. We're going to have some deep issues. And then we're going to have a lot of fun with a capital PH because that's what this is about. At first, I want, you know what? I think I told you guys about this. Uh, Rax and Condor that I thought I was slammed. Yeah, you were slammed. Yeah, it was horrible. I got this phone bill for, geez, it was well over $200. And I finally noticed it came from a USBI and it just all these uh, companies, I had no idea. There's numerous companies on there. And I was mad. I was livid. So I started making some calls and I eventually found out that I received a number that a former dancewear company had, and I, <laughs> I was still listed in AT&T as this business, and I was getting my phone service through business discount plan uh, with rates like 40, 50 cents a minute. It was absurd. So, uh, you know, eventually I got it all figured out. AT&T gave me an hour long distance for six months. I got, actually got a deal on the long distance that I used before. I got a big discount. And uh, it just goes to show you, read that bill. Look very closely. And uh, don't trust phone companies. Uh, I want to explain what slamming is, too, for everyone else listening in who might not be aware of what it is. Slamming is when your phone service, when your long-distance carrier is changed without your authorization. And actually what I've learned from this is that slamming is actually uh, not, not, it doesn't occur that frequently anymore. It's very difficult, I heard, but you can still, you can go to, uh, I think you can go to FCC.gov, uh, 
slash slamming and learn all about it. And there's actually an 800 number, too. I was going to call it today. Uh, maybe I'll do that at the end of the show. And you can get all this information about slamming and cramming and, uh, and telephone fraud in general. And there was uh, supposedly, too, when this thing was running rampant, you know, people would call to say about switching phone companies and that. And they say, who do you want to use for your long-distance carrier? And they say, well, I don't care. Well, someone allegedly set up a company called I Don't Care. I heard about that. Or And then they also uh, had, uh, when you hit O for operator, they had uh, a company called uh, You Choose For Me. And whichever one is the cheapest also. <laughs> Wait, you choose one is the cheapest, you know, it'll be charged like, you know, maybe a dollar a minute. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't imagine. I'd be so upset. And, and you know what? And it was actually a little upsetting. No doubt. I mean, just the fact that somebody was changing things in your life, you know, probably not quite as bad as identity theft or something like or getting robbed, but uh, but still disconcerting nonetheless. You still end up getting stuck with the bill, and that doesn't feel really comfortable. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And you know who really got stuck with the bill was this business discount plan. They, like, ate it. And I, and I asked them, does AT&T compensate you for their mistake? And they said no. Uh, so they're they're eating quite a bit. I actually made out like a bandit. Because AT&T's re- regular residential rates could be upwards of 30 cents a minute. So, and I was getting it for 16 now. So, uh, I just switched to, um, sounds like a commercial now. Now it works from our sponsor, but I just switched to uh, IDT for long distance, which uh, uses uh, Global Crossing Frontier for doing all their backbone stuff. And they're like, you know, it sounds pretty good. It's like, uh, you know, they bill like in six-second increments, and it's like five cents a minute and all this other stuff. Wow. And I was feeling pretty good about that until I heard, uh, you know, they tried to pull like another Enron, and uh, like the CEO left with like $500 million in his pocket or something like that. No. So, what company is this? That's uh, IDT, uh, International Data and Telephone or something like that. Um, this guy I know, he's in my Cisco class. He, his uh, dad works for uh, Global Crossings, and I actually applied for an internship there. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't make it. And I'd like to get money because I'm not. I'm an unemployed student. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We all were at one time. <laughs> I think everybody is. Oh yeah. Global Crossing. They've got. Uh, if I'm correct, they have worldwide fiber optic network. Optics all over. Yeah. Yeah. They're big. They're real big. That's really why I wanted. Really why I wanted to join them. So. Yeah, you could like run their Cisco routers and <laughs> be the elite router guy. Now. uh I also had a little trouble with Quest. I ordered, and they had this big ad campaign on broadcast TV, free caller ID, free security screen, and a free box for a month. Try it out. See if you like it. Well, I tried it out for a month. and eh, it doesn't do anything for me. You know what? I got my bill. They still billed me for it. I had to call and cancel it and tell them, hey, you offered the free trial. Why are you charging me? I couldn't believe it. Not to mention, if you're ordering services, you can order for anybody. They'll just give services to anybody, even if it's not you. But if you want to cancel something or change it, man, they put you on hold. You're on a back burner, baby. It's horrible. So, Like if you want to get somebody, you just uh, call, up, call up, say you're them, and order all the uh, services for them? Piece of cake. And if you want to be anonymous, you just go to a payphone, Optivert. Uh, shoot, all you need is a name and address of a phone book. That's all they ask for for authentication. It's sick. Yeah. It's sick. So, uh, to all our listeners, please, read your phone bill and watch out for phone companies. I'm sure some of their products are good, and I'm sure they uh, do good things for you, and it's nice to talk on the phone, but you know what? You know what? You could be totally wireless now. Is anybody totally wireless? Rax, Condor? No, I'm not. I don't uh, even have a phone, wireless phone. Because uh, that's because he's a poor student, but... Uh, that's true. <laughs> we're, not, we're not quite like Scandinavia where, um, you know, like, 
I, I forget what the statistics are, but like eighty uh, percent of the people carry phones, and very few of the people have uh, hard landlines in their in their houses anymore. Exactly. There's almost no need for telcos. I'm mean, shoot. You could get satellite internet access if you'd like, and I've heard that it's synchronous. The um, you know the telcos are worried about all that kind of stuff. They're working on. There was something I was reading about uh, over copper being able to put like uh, HDTV. Someone's working on some head-end equipment for that, so the telcos can get into the cable TV business and using the uh, four-pair wire they have coming into your house because they're going to start losing a lot of business, not only, you know, as people are switching, uh, you know, cell phones and doing everything else and all that, but uh, so they're they're looking to make a buck or two still. No doubt. And they're losing all the money to that, and then they're losing all their money on pay phones. Yeah, I can see them. Pay phones are really losing their money. They're starting to charge, you know, 50 cents. They did that a while ago in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, local calls. And they're, uh, well, you know, they're taking, they're taking them out and everything else in that, too. But, uh, you know, speaking of Quest, uh, for, for those people out in the, uh, I guess, the 14 states that, uh, that Quest controls or monopolizes on or whatever, right. um, they, Quest was uh, going to sell, get this now, Quest was going to sell your personal information uh, and, uh, and make money on that. And what they did is they put in on one of the phone bills that unless you notify Quest by such and such a time, it, you will have assumed to be opted in. Yeah, by default. By default. And, um, you know, so someone, uh, you know, one of these uh, investigative reporter type of people got a hold of it. It was in, you know, all kinds of news things and so on and so forth. They had their Quest representatives on TV saying, well, it's not like we're going to stand on a street corner and sell your information. Well, of course not. They don't have to stand on a street corner. They sit in their nice corporate offices, and other companies come up to, up to them and say, well, you know, hey, we'll, uh, we'll pay you for this information. From what I understand, they're going to sell it to other Quest companies so that that way, say you have regular Quest TV or something like that, they're going to call you and say, do you want Quest Wireless? Well, that, you know, that's why, from my understanding, because, I mean, we use Quest, and we really don't have a choice. I mean, there's not many telephone choices out there. Yeah, well, you know, they, they, I, you can almost understand it being within their, within their own organization, you know, and I, and I almost don't even mind that, but I'll tell you a story about that in a second. But on top of that, you know, they, they would literally have the right to, you know, sell that to, oh, I don't know, you know, magazine companies, uh, you know, uh, insurance companies, you know, you name it. Once, once that uh, Pandora's box would be opened, it'd be impossible to close. So um, uh, they talked about that on TV, and then they extended the time. And, of course, they had an 800 number that you could call in and opt out, and uh, that was busy all the time. So I uh, found, it, found it on their website, um, opted out, and, of course, printed out my, uh, my uh, confirmation from the, the web browser, including the date and time that that was done. So uh, if you ever do anything like that, uh, just as an FYI to everyone listening out there, you might want to keep a hard copy of this stuff as well. But uh, anyway, long story made short, Quest was getting a real big black eye. And then on uh, January 28th, here's the press release. Quest Communication International, Incorporated, today announced that it's withdrawing its plans to share private customer account information among different divisions in the company. Citing customer concerns, the company said the decision uh, on when and how it might share information within Quest would be made after the Federal Communications Commission has an opportunity to issue new rules expected later this year. So uh, They were catching a bunch of heat, and they had to back off. And now the FCC, and they got so much attention, the FCC has now stepped in, so uh, that's a good thing in my book. It is. And, you know, Vermont also changed. I don't, they either have a law or they're proposing a law where people are opted out by default. It's, it's, it's fail close. So 
they can't just automatically give out your information and, you know, because what if you never know about it? What if you never call? Then all your information is just flowing out there, all of these companies. It's horrible. So Vermont is actually on the ball. Props to Vermont. I, uh, I want Rax to talk about vomit. Is that really uh, is that really a <laughs> conversation? The <laughs> like what you do Saturday nights about uh, one o'clock in the morning when everything? No, 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 not uh, not hugging hugging the cold toilet in the in the wee hours of the morning. I want you to the tell the porcelain god. Exactly. I want you to tell the listeners all about voiceover misconfigured IP. Yeah, voiceover misconfigured internet or IP telephony is vomit, and uh, it's actually kind of neat. Cisco has IP telephones. And uh, it's actually very cool technology, uh, very, very small, actually. It's about uh, 4K per second. And then when you add the, the uh, overhead for TCP IP, it's like about, I forget, it's like 5 to 8K. So it's actually very interesting. And uh, companies are starting to do that in schools and everything else. But uh, basically, you know, think about it. Everything traveling over your network is just all zeros and ones. So um, someone at uh, the University of Michigan came up with this uh, idea and Wrote a little utility for Linux, and it's called Vomit, Voiceover Misconfigured Internet Telephones. And basically, here's what it does. You uh, plug in your Linux box, plug it into them in the network at work where they have uh, Cisco IP telephones, and you just kind of happen to about the packets, capture the data stream, and save it to a uh, save it to a WAV file. Just by happenstance, you capture a bunch of packets. <laughs> happen to be coming by your, you know, through the wire, and you just happen to find them. Now, Condor, speak up. Have you ever just happened to sniff some packets on uh, any network you've been on? Oh, never. Never. Okay. Never. <laughs> Continue, Rax. But uh, <laughs> anyway, no, so so you can you can uh, save the files. Now, get this. This is this is I think, and, and we were uh, talking about this at the, the 2600 meeting before. But everyone out there has probably seen Hogan's Heroes at one time, and if you remember Kinch, who was the, who was the techie guy, you know, of that back. My hero. The 40s, yeah. And he had this coffee pot that had a, had a <laughs> to, to it or something. You know, they, would all, they always had Colonel Klink's office bugged, and they would tape what was going on in there. And then they, they would get out their little razor blade and re-snip up the tape and, uh, you know, play other conversations back. Well, think of what you can do when you save these phone conversations to your uh, handy-dandy hard drive, take your favorite audio editor, slice and dice them up, and uh, you can interject those messages back into the phone system like it's a telephone call. Hey, that, need that raise? Just record your boss talking about someone else giving, you know, giving someone else a raise. Edit, put your name in there, and send it off to the uh, HR department. That's right. Piece of cake. Fun for all the listeners. <laughs> you know, old voicemail, you used to be able to do that with old voicemail systems. I, I was listening to an old off the hook, and that's where uh, Emmanuel met Mr. French on this IBM voicemail system, and you used to be able to do that right with the Right with a phone, you used to be able to cut and chop and paste together any kind of uh, any kind of voicemail message. I think vomit. Uh, boy, I wish I had access to uh, to uh, IP telephone network. I'd want to try that out right away. American Express does that. I know that. Everything's it's all IP. Yeah, probably. There, there's a, there's a lot of places doing it now, and there are uh, Nortel does some IP telephony stuff in that as well. But I guess this is just just with Cisco stuff for now, but if you're looking up that information, just type in uh, Vomit and Cisco in your favorite search engine, and it'll pop right up there, and I'm sure Duel's going to probably put links up there for everything we talk about on the show here, too. Definitely, definitely. In fact, I'll, uh, I'll write synopsis, synopses for each show, and you can get the shows at uh, http 
old school freak. That's school with a K and freak with a PH dot com. And we're going to have this show up every week. Right now it's recorded, MP3s. Hopefully we're going to start uh, broadcasting. And uh, it's going to be great for our listeners. In fact, we'll start having call-ins. Uh, you know what? Is this weird? You know what I've always wanted to do is build my own switch. Build my own telco switch. Just get a bunch of... I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I, I actually do know where to begin. I've thought about it. But it would be really sick and twisted. But, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, I suppose, right? Yeah. Just, uh, that's, well, that's why you're an old-school freak. You want to build a switch, man. <laughs> I do. Man, I just... I want to. I want to have my own telco. That is sick. That's really sick. I heard about these. Um, I don't know. Maybe two years ago, these like teenagers that they made their own uh, ISP, and you know that wouldn't be a bad business. Compete with Quest, though. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think running an ISP would be easier than running a telco. I think uh, you know if you got enough boxes and uh, got enough copper going into your house, I think you could do it. There's an interesting uh, thing on, uh, if anyone's read uh, uh, Robert Kringley, and they're on, on PBS.org, there's a thing, I Kringley, but he had an interesting idea talking about how um, people could set up, or someone, it was a, a great business opportunity for someone to set up a uh, DSL service, and he goes into it in a fair bit of detail, but basically, uh, you buy up one of these uh, uh, alarm monitoring companies in, in your favorite city, and they have what's called dry lines going into everyone's house. So it's another right. pair of wire that's going, and it's a dry line in the sense that there's no dial tone on that. And that's exactly what you need to set up DSL. So what you do, buy up the company that has the alarm monitoring system, use those dry lines, and I'll start offering the people DSL. And if you think about the uh, capabilities beyond that or the possibilities beyond that, uh, you know, voice over IP into people's tele, you know, into their homes and mix that out into uh, the uh, regular kind of internet telephony thing. Of course, when when the uh, R box of the world would find out about that, they'd probably want to stop you from doing that, but uh, it presents interesting business opportunities. And they will be crushed under the giant thumb of big business. But, yeah, if we have any any alarm companies listening to this show, I bet they're taking notes right now. Yeah. I, uh, I also, Rax brought something up to me. Well, I'm sure I'm sure all our listeners are familiar with RaiseTheFist.com getting raided a couple of weeks ago. You've heard it on uh, Off the Hook. You heard it on HackerMind. Uh, by the way, we're on Wednesday night, so because personally, I can't get enough of Off the Hook and HackerMind. I mean, I just I can't stand TV. Uh, I can barely stand radio. Maybe NPR. Screensavers. Uh, screen. Yeah, ZDTV. That's the <laughs> that's the one shining line on the Dish Network. Um, who do you have? Who do you? Who services you? That sounds like a rather personal question. Yeah, you know, kind of. <laughs> well, you don't have a choice anymore. You can't really choose. I mean, are you talking about cable? Well, no, I'm talking about in general companies like services. You really can't choose anymore. Oh, you mean telephone? Telephone, uh, cable. You're right. Well, a lot of it, I believe that a lot of it is a benevolent monopoly. Look what happened when power was deregulated in California. It went into the hole. I believe that your local utilities are are. are like I said, basically a benevolent monopoly. We do actually Quest is looking into becoming a long distance provider, and I think if they do that, they have to open up their local markets to other companies. So I think that is around the corner. I think for for telephone service, I think that'll work. Power, no. You know, of course, other stuff, basic economics. You can't have companies defending your country or paving your roads. That won't work. 
Um, Condor, if you could, first of all, speak up a little bit and 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 uh, tell us, please. We've been talking about phone service. There's a, a website, OneBox.com, that uh, first gave great service. They they get free email, free faxes. It was wonderful, and they give you a, a voicemail number, uh, but it was it was a toll number. Now they've given and they made it even better service by giving a toll-free number to all of their subscribers. But, unfortunately, on the other hand, it doesn't work. Every time I dial that 866 number, it's always busy or it'll ring. It'll ring forever. And it's cool, though, to have it. It'll read back your email in a computerized voice. And I, I enjoy that one of the most, except um, whenever you put, like, a, from what I understand, uh, from experience, whenever you put, like, a number in a period, it skips that next line, skips that whole line, then goes to the next one. Oh, it does. I didn't know that. It's kind of weird because uh, you gave me the instructions on the uh, freaking part, right. the AT&T basic freak fun. Uh-huh. Um, and it just, I, w- I decided to listen to it, and I knew that I wasn't getting the whole thing. It would say six, then it would go five, then it would go to the next one, and then t- until you hit another period, then it would tell you. Really? See, I didn't know that. Uh, it- it works. It's, it works pretty well, though. I, regardless of that, I think it works fairly well, and it reads. It'll read everything. It'll read, you know, right bracket. It'll. It's cool. It's very cool. I've, I sent Rax two emails, I think, or one, um, using one box on a telephone, and. Yeah, I then like you, then you get the uh, you get a notification of it. You click on it, and go through. You can play it as a wave file or as a um, the audio stream from a quick from a QuickTime. It's actually very cool. Yeah, it is. It's totally fun. And it's and it's actually a really useful service. If only the number worked. I know that everybody everybody heard about it and they loved it because I mean, what's better than 800 voicemail? There, there was uh, actually one place and they just recently went bankrupt. Uh, they're one, you know maybe one of the last dot coms closing, but it was called Dialpad. Did you guys hear about that? That's the uh, internet phone call. Right. Yeah. You would do um, from your computer, either computer to computer, obviously, which anyone can do, or computer to regular telephone. And they were giving out uh, 800 numbers for that. Um, and uh, fax and voice and voicemail and everything else. And uh, it was a little bit laggy, you know, depending on how your connection was to the net, but uh, it was very cool. So I was off in Hawaii and calling back on that and, you know, no charges. Very nice. <laughs> I think next time I'm in Hawaii, I'll uh, I'll give it a call. Bankrupt now, so you can't. Uh, oh, man. Actually, I actually have been to Hawaii, and it was a blast. That's great. It is. It is. Now, it, speaking of traveling, uh, we were at the at the last twenty six hundred meeting. I'm sure all our listeners were there too. At the last meeting, we were talking about uh, we were talking about the show. We were talking about oh, you know, Amazon travel, and I couldn't really get access. Well, I went to Fry's, Fry's Electronics, great store, and I signed up with Earthlink two months free. So I'm very happy they've got nationwide numbers, and of course I'll cancel it when the two months are up. But then Rax was telling me about Slingshot. Yeah, I almost said Slashdot. So it's called Slingshot. Yeah. Now, can you tell listeners something about Slingshot? Slingshot's great. You go to uh, your office supply stores, your computer places now. You can go to Slingshot.com and see it. And basically, it's uh, two cents a minute. Uh, it gives you 600 local minutes or 120 toll-free minutes. So if you're traveling or even, you know, even if your uh, broadband connection goes down, I've, I've had broadband for so many years now, I have no other dial-up connection anymore. So you get this. And uh, 
installs this little dialer and that. You don't have to create a username and password and everything else, and it, it takes care of it for you. But uh, it's prepaid Internet access. You can be totally anonymous, right? You buy it. You pay cash for it at the store. They don't know who you are. All they know is where you're dialing from, obviously, and, of course, they could see you know where you're going and whatever. They give you a, a couple of free email accounts and that, and it's like 10 bucks for the 600 minutes. Dude, that is so sweet, and it's totally anonymous because that's what I love about uh, track phone and all those uh, prepaid cellular calls because it's totally anonymous. So this is totally anonymous. You could optivert. You could, I mean, no, none of our listeners or, or we would ever do this, but theoretically you could beige box your dial-up. That is very sweet. One, the one downside to it, though, is uh, it's only for Windows boxes right now. Uh, you know, someone may be able to figure out, you could probably do a little bit of uh, packet analysis packet analysis and figure out what's going on as it's doing the sign up but you don't pick a username and password if it was right it'd be easy to make a dial up from you know any os right and do that out so uh you know if someone out there gets into it and uh finds out you know contact us back through the website and uh, that would be a very good thing to let people know but it's a great deal definitely i would put that right up on the site because that'd be excellent i know there was an article in 2600 not too long ago hacking free ISPs with Windump, and like you said, Rex, you probably do the same thing, you know, just find out, I'm assuming you would use CHAP if it's on a Windows system, you know, you can just find out the authentication and uh, figure it out yourself. Right. That'd be great. Uh, so, hey, that's a project, project for the listeners. Um, I have Trios. I bought Trios, and uh, just the other day, it broke. What happened? I, I don't know. I tore, I'm not an electronical expertise or anything, but I brought it to a teacher I know, and uh, you know, it would be a great project on how to build, except you need to solder, like, I don't know, maybe 200 pins, because you have Ooh. to solder in, like, all these IDE cables. You know, uh, Condor, why don't you explain what uh, what Trios is for everyone? Oh, right. Um, Trios is a uh, an operating system, uh, a hard drive selector. You put the operating system on one hard drive, and you can press a little button, and you can switch to it. Unfortunately, you have to power down totally for it to switch because it's not really intelligent I mean it's just a switch it literally is a switch right an IDE switch right no electrical switch it it allows the uh, information to just go through and the electricity just go through hey that is a cool ring what is that that's just my little Nokia that is sweet that is a nice phone by the way <laughs> so how can I ask you how much this uh, trials cost oh uh, sixty dollars well, that's not too bad. And how many OSs, how many hard drives can it support? Three. But if you have a, you can actually do four. If you have a, if you do not push any of the buttons in, you can, uh, you'll, it'll then look past Trios. It will not even see Trios. So you can actually plug in another one. But if you have three CD-ROMs or three uh, something, you, you obviously can't do that. Three IDE devices, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah, IDE only allows for two channels of two devices apiece normally. So on, on each chain, right? Yeah, two devices on each on each channel, and right. there's two two channels, channels on the uh, on the motherboard. So um, I guess Condor would this be? You would just take one of those one of those uh, channels, one of the drives, and this trios becomes now the the uh, three different drives. Right. Right. So that is slick. Let me guess. You got it at Fry's. Yes, I did. <laughs> This segment of the show brought to you by Fry's Electronics. <laughs> That's what we need to do. We need to get a big sponsor. Can you hear me okay? I can. That's perfect. That's perfect. I don't know if our listeners would appreciate it because we're here for the listeners. We're here to spread information. We're to spread the word about curiosity 
and and acting upon that curiosity and how it should not be illegal to act upon curiosity. You know, you know what? I brought up earlier RaiseTheFist.com getting busted, and uh, somehow we got the subject. Uh, I'd like to bring that back up. That's actually a really important topic. It's been talked about on Off the Hook. It's been talked about on Hacker Mind. It was, from what I believe, an anarchist website, and he's being watched by law enforcement agencies, and eventually the gentleman who, run, who ran the site posted bomb-making information. And, of course, he was busted. He's probably in the hole longer than Bernie S. and Fiber Octet combined. Um, it's not right. You can get any, you know, you can get a, well, you actually can't get a blaster's handbook very easy, but you can, you can go to the library. You can get a structural engineer's book. You can get anything you want in a library on the Internet, for crying out loud. What's, what's the deal with this one website? Why do they have it out for him? Now, Rax, you were telling me something, uh, another website that has information like that. So uh, Condor was telling me the same type of thing, another website you can get tons of information. Why weren't they busted? Why did they pick on this guy? Well, you know, the, the thing is, uh, you know, once, once it uh, demands someone's attention, once something happens that uh, calls someone's attention to something, and that they usually try to make an example. Yeah, he was probably, it was probably becoming popular. That's probably, you know. Now, you were at, uh, Condor, you were at what site, and they'd had tons of bomb-making materials? Uh... Tons of everything. Tons of everything. Textfiles.com. Oh, yes. Yes, I've been there. And um has lots of stuff, and I, it's, there's textfiles.com, and you can choose a mirror, and those will be old text files, and you can go to web.textfiles.com, and that has the newer stuff, and um, it's, it's a great site. It really is. Yeah, it's a great site because it's basically got free information, all kinds of information. And I, this guy hasn't really been busted for anything. I'm, I think he would. Yeah, uh, I would think so, especially after 9-11. Well, there's a, uh, I was talking to Duel about this before, too. There's a company that's been around for a long time, and uh, it's Loom Panics, L-O-O-M-P-A-N-I-C-S. And they have tons of books, and they've been publishing books on things like, you know, how to, how to reload your own ammo and, and uh, everything else in between. So at uh, DEF CON this year, they were there, and I picked up a little catalog, and they had all kinds of uh, various assorted types of things, uh, including, you know, weird and wild things like... Uh, you know, how to make your own bazooka, down okay. to uh, you know how to change your identity and how to do all these other things. So uh, they have catalogs. You can go to their website online and see the various information as well. But there's another site I came across today, and I think it's pronounced Tootsie, T-O-T-S-E dot com, and they've got uh, tons of things there. There's uh, let's see, chat bad ideas, which uh, has all kinds of things on uh, you know how to make uh, explosive devices and to uh, fringe and hack and freaking and uh, viruses and technology and everything else. So there is tons of information out there. Yeah, and people aren't getting arrested for it every day. I, I, you know, I wish I would have seen the site. I just heard about it from uh, 2600. You know, if if the feds, if the FBI, if they want to shut something down, why don't they shut down gun shows, you know? Why don't they... We're well, talking about having taken your first trip to one of those? Oh, yeah, God, it was horrible. Uh <laughs> People, I went to my first gun show not too long ago, and, uh, you know, basically to get that type of information, you know, identity changing, um, lock picking, stuff like that. And the people were very unique, I'll say that. The people were definitely different, and that type of information was all over that place, tons of it. It's It, it just blows my mind. It's, it almost frustrates me to see stuff like that happen, to see 
this like the satellite uh, what, what was that newspaper satellite daily news or something the guy who would publish information about the about satellite systems DSS and then have General Motors just crush him legally just because he printed information just because he shared oh I'm frustrated technology that he learned about that others learned about sure you can I guess you could use that information to do bad things, but he wasn't doing anything bad. He was just putting the information out there. It's unbelievable. Go to a, go to a high school and you'll find tons more illegal stuff. I mean, really. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Oh, man, the stuff I did in high school. Holy moly. <laughs> you know, the thing it falls back to the thing that's, uh, you know, in, in line with your with your uh, gun show theme and that, you know, where they say guns don't kill people, people kill people, but... You know, it's like anything else. Any kind of tool that you have can be used for can be used for good or evil. You know, airplanes can take you around and, and make you get from point A to point B a lot quicker, or they can be used for bad purposes, as they were on September 11th. So, and that just, applies exactly with information. That's exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's just another tool, and it's it's how you choose to use that information. Yeah, but and, and but no matter what anybody does, you're not going to stop the spreading of information. You're not going to stop people from creating it. You're not going to stop people from distributing it. It's, it is going to exist. And I believe it should be open. It should be free. Okay. All right, enough. I'm off. Let me hop off my soapbox. I'm done. You know what? I want to make some phone calls. I want to show the listeners a couple of things, a couple, uh, couple of cool things. And uh, I guess one of you, I tell you what, I'm going to stop this. And I'll make the phone calls. Maybe one of you can come on, and then uh, and then we'll I'll come back together again for the last part of the show. Is that cool? So works for me. All right, listeners, hang on. Okay, we're back. Rax has left us. Condor's here because uh, it's only three way. And I want to make a few phone calls. I've been doing like retro. I've been real retro lately, using DOS and Procom and dialing up everything I can. And uh, I'd call Cocot. And I get some really cool noises. So I'm going to call one right now. Hang on, Condor. Condor, are you there? Now this one should pick up. I've actually... I dialed up into this phone using hyper-terminal. There it is. You still there? I'm still here. Yeah, that is so cool. I, I actually, I dialed up a few. Some... When I some cocots and these are all cocots, you get a busy signal if you dial up most uh, most Arbok payphones. Now I dial up these cocots and a couple. Uh, one would do nothing; it would just drop me as soon as it as soon as it picked up. On hyper on hyper terminal. Yeah, this is hyper terminal. I tried with uh, old school program uh, Procom Plus on my 386, and that didn't do anything. Oh. But I used uh, regular hyper terminal, and a couple would just drop me. It would just Drop me instantly. One would, um, one would just echo an N every time I tried an AT command, and then this last one, this phone I just called, it would actually connect, 
and it would just send garbage to my screen. Now, again, I read an article in 2600 where I think there's a program I can get, and maybe I can talk with these Fortress Cocots. I'm going to look for that program, but it's totally fun. Dial up everything. I mean, shoot, maybe you could even, oh, I don't know, dial up an air conditioner. <laughs> is that is that true? Is that rumor true, Condor? It's true. It's true. It, and I was in there at the same time. It, it went, did no, you didn't. No, you read about this, right? Uh, no, I, I was... No, 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 you read about this, right? Yeah, well, yes, yes. Well, uh, I, I only heard... Somebody told me about this. That's right. And what'd they tell you? Well, they told me that it uh, actually dialed up, it made all the sounds, and he told me it in such detail that I could actually picture myself being there. <laughs> That's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal story. I read that if you, uh, if you use the terminal program and dialed up one of those things, that it might connect at, like, 9600. I think that's the connection speed of those environmental controls. Now, the next call I want, I want to make, I want our listeners to check out, is uh, it's pretty minor, but it's kind of it's cool, just the differences. And it has to deal with the 1700 number to see what your lot is, see what your carrier is, your long-distance carrier, on any phone. And that's a 700 number. 1700, uh, yeah, I think you showed me that one. Yeah, and it's 1700, 555, and then XXXX. Any four numbers will do it. But you'll get different messages for the same carrier, and I'm going to prove that right now. Thank you for choosing AT&T for your long-distance service. Okay, now that AT&T is my carrier, and I just dialed 1-700-555-1212, and that was the message you got. Now, if you dial for... AT&T, thank you for choosing... Okay, enough of that. You still there, Condor? Condor? I'm here. Oh, you're... I wanted to be quite a little bit longer, but I didn't really want to... <laughs> Do not fool the host. Okay, now, that was 1212. Now we'll try 4141. Thank you for choosing AT&T for your long-distance calling. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, Condor, do you hear the difference? In AT&T. Okay, you there? Using AT&T and the other one did the little cheap sound effect. Yeah, I like I like the latter. I think it was much more soothing. She was much more friendly. I'd rather uh, I'd rather have a cup of coffee with her. All right, how about we bring back Rex right now? Sure. You know what? How about I stop it so people don't get his number? That's right. Oh, wait, hold on. I'll just cover the mic. I'll just cover the mic. Okay. All right, I'll be right back. Rax is coming back as we speak. It's much more fun this way. What's up? What's up? Hey, we just dialed you over the air, dude, so everybody can bust out their DTMF decoders and get your number. Oh. No, not really. Thanks, bud. Not really. We covered the mic. We called a couple of cool numbers. Uh, I've been going retro, dialing up everything, uh, dialing up some cocots. I think I played that cocot sound for you at the uh, at the last meeting. Right. And I've, I've connected to a few and got some garbage from some, some weird echoes from others. Some just dropped me. And then I showed listeners what happens when you dial one in seven hundred number, different one seven hundred numbers with the same carrier. You can get different messages. There's just no consistency. This is a great show. Making the first segment was so exciting.
I mean, not that it was exciting dumpster diving. Every, I'm sure all of our listeners have done it a hundred times. Well, I hope you took a shower before you uh, started the show. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, sanitized everything. But uh, doing it on the air, you know, it just added a little bit to it, you know, narrating it. You know, it was, it was, it was a little exciting. Uh, this, this was a great first show. It was an historic event, and uh, I hope there will be many more to come, especially uh, live broadcasts over the Internet. You guys have anything else to say? Go for it, Condor. Did we lose him? I don't know. Condor, are you there? Condor, are you there? I'm here. What did I get so long? There he is. I keep forgetting to flash back. Didn't hear all that clothing about stuff, me. But <laughs> you, dude, you missed all the. Cl- <laughs> don't worry. You'll you'll be able to hear it on the net. All right, I will. This is a great show. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank our listeners for downloading the show. This is the first episode of Radio Freak America. In your hard drive forever. Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.